your Bibles once more to the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 19 tonight. Before we start on tonight, I want to pick up a little bit on this morning. Uh, One of the things I didn't have really time to address, but something I want us to talk about together as a family is is the whole idea of of cliques in churches. This morning we were talking about uh, friendship in, in the body of Christ, how we often use the word fellowship because we want to speak of something more than human friendship, the kind of relationships that come and go in the world. But often in the church, the relationships are no more fulfilling and sometimes not very Christ-like at all. And often those who become frustrated in church and leave or those who become very, very disgruntled say that the problem in church are the cliques, that we have cliques among us. First off, what is a clique? An exclusive group. A a clique is a kind of exclusive group. And sometimes when when you come into a a congregation, come into a church, you just get this idea that you've got little circles of people who are uh, all busy with their friends and the friends seem to be each other, but they're not very willing to accept a new friend in. Is that that fair to say? Um, Do we have cliques here? Yeah, probably. Probably. What do we do about it? Again, I I think our church is one of the finest anywhere. I I love our church. I think we're very friendly. But I remember uh, when we first started recording worship services and one of the first videos of a Woodburn Baptist Church service I ever saw was horrifying to me because I was just watching the service through and we got to the point where we said, okay, now turn around and greet everybody. Greet everybody. Welcome everyone. And I could see clearly in the camera angle there were uh, some visitors sitting near the front sitting right near the front, visitors, and they stood there, and everybody started shaking hands with everybody except them. And you could see it clearly on the video. We got church members, I'm talking about some of you, you would cross, you would nearly walk around the visitors, you'd step all the way across the church to go shake hands with somebody who's a member of your own family. You cross the church to talk to somebody that you went to junior high with, you've known for years. Cross all over the church, I mean, it went crazy. But the guests, the ones that really needed the welcome, stood there. And you could watch it on their face. You could watch them look around and watch everybody shake hands with everybody. And suddenly, the fellowship time at Woodburn Baptist Church seemed like the longest, longest few minutes I've ever seen in my life. uh, to, To look at it through their eyes. Why would we do that? I don't think we would mean to do that. I don't think we mean to have exclusive groups here. I don't think we want that. But what do we do? Yeah, Jack. We have to consciously, consciously focus on the one who might be on the outside. Uh, Tonight, I said, break up in a small circle, say a prayer, and then come back to your seats. Do you realize we had a couple leave our church? We had a a couple leave our church. They had been attending for probably a year. But in one Sunday night like this, I said, circle up. And nobody included them. And it was so horrible for them, they never came back. Nobody turned around and brought them in. They were guests. They didn't know people like we all know people. They stood there. Nobody brought them in. It it was horrible. They they left. You could say, well, they need to be tougher than that. Big old crybabies. But it's people. And it's very, very hard to feel excluded. Jack reminds us we've really got to focus, just got to focus on those who are are not included and include them. Uh, Again, we're the body of Christ and the welcome and the love that we extend is to be the very welcome and love of the Lord. 
Uh, we love the friendships at church. You all honestly are the most important people in my life that you are. And there's such comfort and love when we're together. But we've got to make sure that these little circles of comfort don't become the reason we come to church. and don't become a distraction from our real mission, which is always to bring people in. Bring people into your life. Concentrate on bringing new people in. Concentrate on including others. It's the only way we can continue to show love as a body of Christ. Uh, now tonight, Proverbs chapter 19, verse 20. Again, focusing on sort of a, a, a sub, subtopic from this morning. Sermon title tonight is What Ears Are For. If you read through the book of Proverbs, as we've said, it, it's a book of wisdom sayings, and it's really not organized in, in any real way for the most part. It's just verses, many of which have the same themes, but they just continue to roll around almost randomly. So in preaching, the frustrating part is trying to gather all the verses that deal with the particular theme, and I've tried to find the big themes and then sort of find out which ones uh, we should use in, in preaching. I've got several tonight that have to do with a very important theme in Proverbs. It's the theme of listening. Uh, again, when we talk about wisdom, apparently there are certain skills of wisdom. And listening is one of these very, very important skills. Uh, the, the Proverbs are very, very plain. Let's start Proverbs chapter 19, verse 20. Proverbs 19, verse 20. This says it all. That This is the, the, the basic message from Proverbs uh, 19, verse 20. Say these words with me. Get all the advice and instruction you can so you will be wise the rest of your life. Get all the advice and instruction you can. Now, that doesn't mean you get it all while you're in school and then you're going to be wise forever. You graduate and you never have to learn anything new. That is not how it is. The, the point is this is your lifestyle. A lifestyle of always listening to advice and instruction. If you will learn to do that all of your life, always listening, always looking for advice and instruction, then you'll be wise. That's the key. The key to wisdom, which comes from God, is listening. You've got to listen. Where do the people that you know go for advice? They Google it. Yeah, the, the internet. And, and honestly, that is true. Most of us, if we have a question these days, we Google it. We just go to the computer, we go to the internet, look for an answer. Because everything on the internet is true. Yeah, no, yeah. Your, your medical doctor will probably tell you, whatever he tells you you have, please don't go home and Google that. Yeah. If he tells you the name of the mole on the back of your neck, please don't go home and Google the name of that mole. Yeah. Why do they tell you that? Because there is so much mess on the internet. Anybody can put anything on the internet. Anybody can post an article and you don't know if it's true or false. You have no idea unless you're very, very discerning. Everything's on the internet. And yet a lot of people go to the internet and if it's on the internet, it must be true. Yeah, how foolish. Where else? Where do people go for advice? Yeah, sometimes, if we're wise, we will go and seek the advice of people who already are doing what we want to learn how to do. Yeah. What an idea. Yeah, that's excellent. What else? Where do people go? Wherever they hang out. Yeah, if you've got a question, a deep question of life, where should you go? Rich Pond Market. Go to Rich Pond Market. Go to Rich Pond Market about 7 o'clock in the morning. The Supreme Court is gathered right there. 
And whatever, whatever burning question of life, there's wisdom there. Yeah, or wherever it is you hang out. Yeah, lots of times we just ask the crowd, wherever the crowd is. Yeah, where else? Of course, in the old days, families were closer and you were more likely to live near uh, grandparents or older uncles and aunts. You had people in your family whom you trusted, whom you knew, whom you could lean on for wisdom. But that's not always the case anymore. Families are not uh, together. That They're also not uh, sharing wisdom and intimacy like they did in, in years past. Even so, the scripture says, get all the advice and instruction you can. And for all we've just said about sometimes how hard it is, it's not that hard. Advice is everywhere. Advice is absolutely everywhere. Have you ever gone to Walmart with a baby? If you simply go to Walmart with a baby, people will stop you in the aisles and tell you how to raise it. You don't remember this? You don't know this? Try it out, baby. Just take a baby, borrow a baby, step into Walmart, and somebody will say, you need to have a jacket on that baby. Yeah. Or they'll say, if you don't get that thumb out of that baby's mouth, that baby will have buck teeth for the rest of his life. Strangers will just stop you with, if you have a baby, will they not? They will just stop you and tell you how to raise it. Advice is absolutely everywhere. People love to give unsolicited advice. So is that what this verse is talking about? Get all the advice and instruction you can. In other words, everybody who gives you advice, you need to listen to it. William says no. Yeah. Yeah, there's advice everywhere. So how do we Grow wise, if the scripture says, get all the advice you can, but honestly, a lot of the advice that comes to me free is not really the advice that, that I need, that, that I want. Yeah, and that's where wisdom comes in. Sometimes you have to understand where the advice comes from. There really are people who love to give you unasked for advice. And you've probably got some of those people in your life. And some of those people may be wise people. Your mother will give you unasked for advice. And that's part of being a mom. Okay, so she's different. Your family, your parents will give you advice you didn't ask for. That, that's different. They have a place of authority over your life. But what about the people down at Piggly Wiggly? What about all of the others who give you unasked for advice? What kind of a person does that? Just in general, what kind of a person is it that just loves to, to tell everybody how they should be living their lives? Jack says, a type A personality. Some people just love to give advice, love to be telling other people. What's that person doing? What's that about? Any ideas? Yeah, back to childering. Margie says that the people who love to tell you how to raise children are the ones who never had any. Yeah, I can tell you, before Casey and I had Wade, I knew everything about kids. Now, I knew everything about raising kids before I had one. Once you get one, then you understand this is harder than it looks. It, it really is harder than, than it looks. But sometimes people who don't know anything about what they're telling you, they'll just go ahead and give you advice. I'm guilty of this. I don't know why I do this. If somebody asks me a question, I feel compelled to answer it. It's very difficult, but I'm learning. At, the, at this age, 45, I'm learning just to say, I, I don't know. I told y'all about the day I accidentally, I accidentally wore a green shirt to Fern Runners. You know what color the workers wear at Fern Runners? They were green. I had a green shirt on at Fern Runners, and people would come up and ask me questions about plants. <laughs> and I was helping people. 
Now again, there are two sides of the stupidity. I don't know why they would ask and believe me, but I also don't know why I thought I could answer them. One lady was asking me which kind of pansy would do best in sunlight. And man, I was out there telling her. I don't have any idea. I don't even know why I thought I knew. It was something about that green shirt. It just took me over. They should have put me on the payroll except that I'm stupid. But I'm just out there telling that lady how to do her whole yard with plants just because she asked me. Just because she asked. And I was giving her advice. I had no, no place to give her that, that advice. Here's the thing I want you to understand. When the scripture says get all the advice and instruction you can, the implication is you want to get good advice. You want wise advice. You want the right people speaking into your life. But, but let me tell you a secret. The real wise people in the world... They tend not to give you unasked for advice. A person who really knows and really understands and really has wisdom from God, they tend not to just walk out and walk up and tell you how to raise your baby. Why is that? What is it about wisdom that makes them not necessarily walk up and start giving you advice you didn't ask for? Why don't wise people do that? Yeah, because wise people understand that nobody listens to advice they didn't ask for. Nobody listens when people just walk up and give them advice. So wise people tend to wait until someone comes and seeks wisdom, seeks advice. So here's the key. When this verse says, get all the advice and instruction you can, the instruction here for you is to seek that. You're supposed to seek wisdom. I'm telling you, people will line up and give you advice, but you've got to be a little more wise yourself, a little more discerning. You've really got to learn to seek advice and seek instruction. You've got to seek, seek it out. Uh, So let's follow that train of thought and see what the scripture says about seeking advice. Proverbs 14, 7. This one's awesome. Proverbs 14, 7. I love this verse. Say it with me. Stay away from fools. Yeah. For you won't find knowledge on their lips. Yeah. Stay away from fools. You will not find knowledge on their lips. When we are in that position of seeking advice, when we're finally opening ourselves, making ourselves vulnerable, and letting somebody influence us, that's a very, very delicate place to be. It's an important way to live your life, but it's also delicate. When I begin to open up and ask advice, when I'm asking advice about my marriage or asking advice about parenting or asking advice about my ministry, I gotta be very careful who I seek advice from. I don't wanna seek advice from a fool because the fool does not have knowledge. The fool may just be wearing a green shirt, standing in the middle of fern runners. The green shirt does not make him wise. You understand? So, so what's a fool? I, I mean, honestly, if people just walked around with a big F on their forehead or something and we could tell them, but, but the fact is we don't always know who the fools are. I think it goes back to what Margie said. On the one hand, we should really look for people who've been there, done that. 
Look for people you know in your life who have demonstrated the path of wisdom. If you're struggling in your marriage, it would be wise for you to seek instruction, to seek advice from a couple that seems to you to be having it together. Go find a couple that have made it work over time and through the years. Maybe a couple who's been through what you're going through. That, my friends, is wisdom. That's how you'll be wise all of your life if you learn how to seek advice like that from the people who have wisdom. Be selective. You can't just walk up to any fool. It's just a problem for some of us because we have those who speak into our lives, but they are fools. They are fools. You ever seen that that couple, you've got a woman and, and she's having trouble with her husband and she's got that best friend who is a fool. And that best friend says, just leave him. Just break up with him. Leave him. Let's mean you get an apartment together. Just break up with him. You ever seen that woman? She's getting advice from the wrong person. A person who doesn't necessarily have her best interests in mind. A woman who lacks wisdom. You don't seek advice from fools. The other thing is sometimes there are people who are very wise in one area, but not wise in another. I, I know some things about some things. I don't have any business advising you on plants or landscaping. You certainly don't want my advice on money. You don't want my advice on raising a daughter. I've never raised a daughter, but what I know, I know. In our culture, it's really strange because if someone uh, is famous, we assume that they somehow can comment on everything. Have you noticed that? You watch an interview with a famous person on Oprah or Jay Leno or something, and that famous person who's never really done anything but act in movies and, and, and look good, they'll start commenting on politics and religion, and they just talk like they are, you know, it's just Confucius. They talk like they're the wisest person ever. And what have they ever done to acquire wisdom or to demonstrate wisdom? They try to sound so wise. They're not wise, they're just famous. But we live in this celebrity culture where if a famous person says it, we believe it. A famous person makes a comment about politics and it will sway a lot of people who don't have any more common sense other than to follow someone just because they're in magazines. Stay away from fools, for you won't find knowledge on their lips. You won't find knowledge on their lips. You've got to be careful who you seek advice from. I remember one time in, in college, Casey was dating uh, one of my friends. Um, Casey was, you get that? Casey was dating one of my friends. And so they were having trouble. And so she came to me for advice. And I gave her advice. What do you think I told her? You need to get rid of him. Yeah, you need to get rid of him. Now, was I the best person to be giving her advice there? <laughs> you betcha, baby. <laughs> you better believe I was. Yeah, isn't that interesting? But, but honestly, my advice had less to do with what's good for Casey, although we all know it worked out for the good for Casey. Yeah. But honestly, I wasn't trying to give her any wisdom. And I was thinking about me, get rid of him. Get, you know, I think the Lord would have you get rid of him. I think that's what I said. Uh, you've just got to be real, real careful who you seek advice from. Be selective, be selective. Proverbs 12, 15, turn back a page. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 15. Oh, this is so much me and may, maybe so much of you. Proverbs 12, 15. Fools think their own way is right, but the wise listen to others. Fools think their own way is right, but the wise listen to others. Honestly, 
a lot of us are foolish. I am often foolish, but I'm not unintelligent. I'm not unintelligent. So in the verses, fools think their own way is right, but the wise listen to others. Often in my life and probably in yours, even though, yes, I, I think my way is right, but it probably is closer to saying, I want my way to be right. Again, I'm not an unintelligent person and neither are you. It's not that I really think my way is right. It's just, I really, really want my way to be right. And therefore, in the back of my mind, whether it's a very conscious thought or maybe a more subconscious thought, I sort of have this sense of what the truth is. And I also have this sense of if I go and ask advice from any genuinely wise person, I know exactly what they're going to tell me. And that is precisely why often I don't go seek advice because I know what they're going to tell me and I already know the right way and, and something tells me that my way is not right, but I want to be right. I, I want my opinion to be right. And therefore, I, I sort of shut myself off from people who could actually give me wisdom because, like I say, I'm not unintelligent. I, I'm foolish, but not unintelligent. I know good and well what they're going to tell me, and deep down, I know they are right. But again, the foolish one is the one who simply won't listen. I have a new mantra. I have a saying that I'm learning to tell myself, and I say it multiple times a day because I need to, and it just goes like this. This isn't really smart or anything, but it helps me. It's simply this. I tell myself that there is always a 50-50 chance that I am 100% wrong. There is always a 50-50 chance that I am 100% wrong. I, I really think that God is showing me that that's the beginning of wisdom for me, just simply recognizing I can be wrong. I can be 100% wrong. Honestly, I don't know at what point we, we reach where we stop thinking that that's a possibility. There are many of us who simply really don't entertain the notion that we could just be wrong. And the person talking to us may not be brilliant in everything, but they may know what they're talking about at this moment. They may be right. And we really always have to listen. Listen with that real willingness to recognize that we can be wrong. And honestly, if we're wrong, then listening is the path to wisdom. And this is how God does his work in our lives. This is the only way God can grow me. It's the only way God can teach me. I have to listen. And God's voice comes to me through scripture. God's voice comes to me in prayer. But often, very, very often, God speaks to me through other people. But if I already think I'm always right, if I think I have nothing left to learn, if I never entertain the notion that I've got something to learn here from everybody, then I can never, ever gain wisdom. It doesn't matter how old you are. Now, children, most children, have a sense of this in the world. They know that they need to listen. They know that they need instruction. And they're very willing to receive it. I got a friend who's a kindergarten teacher, and she's just begun the process of uh, cats testing, the, the standardized testing in the state of Mississippi. I don't know what they call it there, but they're doing standardized testing with kindergartners. I don't even understand how that works. But she said that she started giving the test, and these are kindergartners. They're not used to this. And this little girl is doing her, her big test and the teacher saying at the front, everything is quiet. The little girl raises her hand and she looks at the teacher and the teacher says, what is it? The little girl says, is this right? Is this right? 
She's asking the teacher in a test, is this right? She really needed that kind of affirmation. She really wanted her to know. The teacher said, I can't tell you. I can't tell you. Little boy raises his hand, says, I don't know how to do this. He's taking a test, kindergarten. I don't know how to do this. The teacher said, I can't help you. Little boy said, who made that rule? (laughs) Wow. The, the, the little ones are so open, so eager, so willing to be taught. And the scripture teaches us that if you will live your whole life that way, you will be wise all of your life. Don't ever reach the point where you think there's nothing to learn. Don't ever reach the point where you think there's not something that somebody can tell you. This is God's way of making you wise. It's God's way of changing you, transforming you, making you more like Christ. One more verse, Proverbs 15, verse 22. This is an important one. I told you about my friend Johnny Carr this morning who in the middle of the concert wanted me to look up his nose and, and, and tell him what I could see. The basic principle there is that there are just parts of ourselves we can never see. There is the, uh, the part of me I think I understand, the part of me I'm trying to be in front of other people. But honestly, I just can't see myself. And I can't see myself the way you see me. I can't see myself. I can't see the way other people think of me. I really need an objective perspective on my own life. And I can't have it myself. I just can't. I can't see all sides of myself. I can't understand sometimes the the, the things I don't know. I just really need somebody with a different sort of perspective. So who has that? Who is the person with the objective view of my life? We know it's God. God sees me. God knows me. But on earth, is there anybody I can go to and get that objective position, that objective vantage of me? Who would that be? Probably my mama. Is my mama objective? No, no. It would not matter if I stood up in this pulpit, no matter how bad the sermons, if I just stunk it up and hear something awful, my mom would still walk out thinking that is the best sermon I've ever heard. That that is a great sermon. She's not very objective. You understand? And if the only people we seek out are people like that, we really are never seeing the true picture. Who has the objective picture? Jack says our friends, our friends, which one? Jack says, maybe the the true friends, my best friend, maybe my best friend has an objective perspective on me. Who has it? Honestly, I think scripture teaches in this verse, there's no one person that has that objective view. There's no one person. They're going to see a side of you that you don't see, but it's still just one perspective. And I think scripture gives us really, really good wisdom here. Proverbs 15, 22, listen to what it says. Plans go wrong for lack of advice. Many advisors bring success. That that objective view that I need, that, that perspective that sort of takes in all of the angles, there is not a single person who can give me that kind of objective advice. So the strategy that Scripture gives us is to spread that out, to get many advisors to have a, a group of people, several people in your life who are godly and who are wise, who can speak into your heart the truth. You need many people, several people. 
It's not always a good idea to have only one person, one perspective that you listen to. You really need to listen to a large, larger group of people who are godly, who have wisdom, and who can speak the truth to you. Plans go wrong for lack of advice, but many advisors bring success. We need objective advice. No one person other than the Lord can see us perfectly objectively. But if we get advice from several, perhaps we can get a more objective picture. Let's close tonight in in prayer and in thinking about our obligation to listen to the Lord. It is God who speaks to us. It is God who knows and sees every part of our heart. It is God who is alone truth in our lives. Let's spend some time tonight worshiping him, listening for his voice, and preparing for the week ahead. Brother Andrew, come lead us in a final song tonight. What is the song? 217, open our eyes, Lord. Teach us to listen. Stand together. Altars open if you wish to come and pray. However, you need to respond tonight. Uh, let's uh, end this night with worship and, uh, and listening to the Lord. 99, excuse me. Open our eyes, Lord. Sing hymn number 499 together. Open our eyes, Lord. Oh. Uh-huh.